Question number one. Who are you? Where are you? Has your environment shaped how you write? Cliques, fab things, fads, lifestyles, etc. Hello, I'm Nadine and I live in Scotland's Central Belt. My environment has definitely shaped how I write as I base most of my books in Scotland, though it's a very different country in my stories and one I wouldn't want to live in. Um, think wars, death, violence and dragons against the backdrop of rain, midges and mountains. Just for fun, I like to try and include local features that people who live around here might recognise, like buildings or whole towns. However, these don't tend to last long since I've destroyed a fair chunk of the country in my books. Question number two. Let's go back to the beginning. What type of books did you read growing up? Do you return to them? Did someone inspire you to write? I read, I read quite a lot of romance growing up, mostly Laurel K. Hamilton's Anita Blake and Meredith Gentry series, and J.D. Robb's Futuristic in Death series, both also read and enjoyed at the same time by my mum. Um, basically, I, re- I would read anything. I remember loving the, the Goosebumps horror novels, the Choose Your Own Adventure books and Point Horror, particularly the Forbidden Game trilogy, which I have just bought today on Amazon for nostalgia's sake. <laughs> so, uh, yes, to answer your next question, I do return to books I've read growing up. I must have um, re- reread Laurel K. Hamilton's books about five times, Though I've never visit, I've never revisited the J.D. Robb series. That there's just so many. Um, none of these books or authors inspired me to write, though. I remember loving to write short stories all through primary school, um, stories in which pretty much everyone died horrible deaths, from drowning to getting battered with rocks to eaten by a monster. Um, don't take this the wrong way, though. I had a happy childhood. I've no idea where the violence and darkness comes from. My earliest memory of being inspired to write was after reading a Reader's Digest book collection. I've no idea what the title or the name of the author was, but it was one of those hardback, single-coloured books with gold writing down the spine and that little ribbon you get in the middle as a bookmark. It was a story about a young boy in a juvenile detention centre, blamed for something he didn't do. He escapes and then a huge manhunt ensues, and I loved the idea of someone being chased, so I tried to emulate the story on a typewriter. You know, it could be the world's first ever piece of fan fiction. Um, I wish I still had a copy, but thankfully that's it's disappeared in, um, over the years. Um, question number three. Process. What steps do you take to write a book? When do you pull the plug? Are there big no-nos? What is most important? So I used to be a complete pantser, i.e. writing with only an idea and no set structure, plan or plot, writing to discover what happened. It was great fun and I loved the surprises that came out of the process, particularly when my characters um, had a life of their own. I tend to have a vague idea of what I wanted to happen, where I wanted to go, some of the big scenes, but often no idea of the ending or even what would happen in the middle. This is how I wrote my trilogy, which is set in a futuristic Scotland divided into warring factions. Now I, seem to, now I seem to be a bit of a hybrid. I still love pantsing. There continues to be an element of that in whatever I write, but these days I will write down parts of the story in a notebook, like details on the characters, snippets I want to weave in that just kind of randomly come to me. Um, my fourth book, which is an urban fantasy about people who shapeshift into dragons and the humans that hunt them, um, was handwritten almost entirely in my notebook first and then I typed it out on my computer, expanding as I went. Um, I still wasn't 100% sure of the ending, but that kind of came out of the discovery writing. The book I'm working on at the moment, my um, my fifth book, is a science fiction story about humanity forced to leave Earth 
and trying to colonise another planet but finding themselves at war with the indigenous humanoid people. That took more research since I'm making everything up from scratch and building a whole new world. I'm literally designing a whole alien planet, including geography, ecology and culture. Um, again, I've not actually no idea how that'll end, but I know it'll come to me as I write, and that's that's definitely the fun part. Um, I've never pulled the plug on a book I'm writing. I once I've started, I will finish it. I couldn't actually leave anything half done. That my brain just didn't work that way. <clears throat> it would bug me way too much. Um, I also don't have any big no-nos. The important thing for me is to write an entertaining story that I have a great time writing, and that I hope readers have a great time reading. Then come back for more. <laughs> Question number four. Who are you reading right now and why? When you pick up a book, what are you looking for? And what's the worst book ever? Um, I'm reading The Unsinkable Rubber Ducks by Christopher Brookmeyer right now, as I've borrowed his whole collection of books from my boss at work. <laughs> I'm slowly reading my way through them. Um, Brookmeyer is a Scottish author of humorous crime thrillers. Um, he depicts Scotland and its people in a painfully accurate but hilarious way. Um, there's there's sometimes a little too much politics in some of the stories, but I, I really enjoy his writing. My boss says Brookmeyer's writing reminds him of mine, but I don't see the resemblance. It could be the swearing. Um, when I pick up a book, I'm not exactly sure what I'm looking for. I think it depends on my mood that day. I'll, I'll happily read across different genres. I like books where some, someone's getting ganged up on. There's lots of injustice, so I feel angry on their behalf. I love dystopian settings and fighting for survival. Strong female characters. Humour even in the darkness. Hmm. I can see where my writing stems from. Um, I don't really have a worst book ever. There's certainly been books I've started reading and then stopped because I didn't like it or it didn't engage me or I wasn't interested enough um, or I just didn't enjoy the style. But I don't have a book blacklist so I can actually tell you what they are. I generally just stop reading and forget, immediately forget what they are. Question number five. What was the inspiration for your novel? What was the hardest part about making it? And the favourite part? Um, actually writing my fifth novel, um, although none of them have been published yet, but the inspiration to write my first novel came from a dream I had when I was about 13. Um, I dreamt about a futuristic Scotland that had divided into warring factions, as you do when you're a teenager. Um, in my dream, everyone else but the teenagers had fled the country and they were the ones who'd remained behind to fight amongst themselves. The practicality of having only teenagers left behind in a whole country, uh, creating lots of fantastic vehicles and weapons, didn't quite translate into the actual novel, but the ba basic premise is the same. Scotland has been divided into warring factions and is isolated from the rest of the world after the collapse of the internet. It's not a political book, but I used the, ref the independence refer referendum as the reason for the descent into war. The novels um, I started when I was 13 turned into a trilogy, actually, and follows the main character as she struggles to survive betrayal, torture, and a whole lot of nasty people I've put in there. The hardest part about making the whole trilogy was actually the end. Um, after working on it for over a decade, with large gaps of no writing in between, uh, I found that I didn't actually want to finish it. The thought of finishing it was quite strange. And this is probably why I found it so hard to write the last few chapters, even though I knew what needed to happen in them. So it wasn't like I was... It was a kind of block, but even though I knew where I wanted to go, I still couldn't find the motivation or the will to sit down and actually finish it. I, um, I got my first... Yeah, so this was the first ever period of writer's block around this time. Um, and I must have stopped writing completely for a couple of months. I bought a PlayStation instead. <laughs> I played a lot of Fortnite. 
Um, however, I then sold the PlayStation since there was the risk I would never write again, though I do still miss Fortnite. I finally forced myself to sit and finish the damn novel and it was difficult and it was sad, but it was also um, a huge achievement and something to be really proud of. Um, and after, yeah, after I'd finished it, it did, it was a really great feeling. So I don't know what was, what was stopping me from writing. Uh, just a bit of a mental block. My favourite part about making it has been watching it develop from some terrible, terrible handwritten thing I wrote when I was a teenager to where it actually is today. I've learned so much about writing and incorporated it into the trilogy to make it better. Picking up the story after it had been mouldering away on my computer for years really inspired me to start writing properly and I've never looked back and that's me now on my fifth novel. Question number six. What kind of book isn't on your shelf but you'd like to see there? Why don't we have more of these books? This is a tricky question to answer as I don't really find myself craving books that aren't on my shelf or that aren't already available. Um, if I did, I'd probably write them myself, I suppose. Uh, there seems to be more choice these days, definitely, with more books available from writers in different social, ethnic and economic backgrounds. Um, there really is something for everyone, no matter what you enjoy. Question number seven. What are your writer do's and don'ts for marketing? Have you had any social media mishaps, misadventures, misses? Would you, do you partake in panels at conventions? Well, I'm just starting out on my publishing journey. And by that, I mean, I've been planning to self-publish for the last few months and just procrastinated the time away, mostly on Twitter. <laughs> I still need to set up my website and my mailing list, two marketing tools that seem to be pretty essential for writers. So I don't really know what the do's and don'ts for marketing are quite yet, but the main points in beginning from my research into the subject are always put your reader slash audience first. Um, don't be too salesy, i.e. you have to offer genuine value to your readers above and beyond your novels and not just send them a buy my book message every few months with nothing in between. Um, interacting with your audience is important, as is knowing who they actually are. If you have an audience of true fans who love your novels and your work, then you'll always have people who want to read your books. Don't be afraid to drive some people away, as you can't possibly please everyone. Um, I guess more important thing point stick to your brand and if it's not for them they were never a true they were never a true fan in the first place. I've been thinking about this a lot actually as my books contain quite a lot of violence, swearing and sex, like detailed sex. I wouldn't describe it as graphic or erotica, but my characters do like to get on. <laughs> and that won't be for everybody, and that's fine. I don't want readers who will be put off by sex scenes or swearing. I enjoy writing it and I want readers who enjoy reading it as integral to the overall plot. Um, another don't for marketing I've come across is don't try to do everything. Figure out the best methods to reach your audience. You know, where do they hang out? How do they buy their books? And focus on that. Um, most activities can be split into the 80-20 rule, i.e. Um, activities that will reach 80% of your audience and activities, well, interesting, valid, that will only reach 20% of your audience. And you want to focus on the 80% the activities and the ways to reach more of your audience and only if you have time consider the activities they may broaden your reach but only give you like 20% of your audience. Um, but I'm a bit of a newbie in most aspects of social media as well so as I mentioned I've got a Twitter account and I set that up in 2017 for the purpose of connecting with other writers um, potential readers when I eventually self-publish. It'll be part of my platform, but not the main part, I don't think, which will be the website and the mailing list once I eventually set those up as well. 
Um, I like Twitter. My my handle is at Nadine underscore little underscore. Um, I like how easy it is to interact with other writers and the writing community on Twitter is pretty awesome. It's great to have so many like-minded people in one place who go through the same struggles, the same highs, the same lows. The writing community is extremely welcoming and helpful, but uh, Twitter can be a bit of a drain on time I should spend writing. It's, it's a bit too easy to disappear into scrolling through the newsfeed and instead obsessing over how many likes or retweets certain posts gets. Um, or is that just me? Um, I, have, I have a Facebook author page as well, but I very rarely post anything on it. I know, I know of Instagram and Pinterest, I've heard of them, and some of the others, but I'm not sure if I'll ever try them out. They seem like a lot of effort and I'm concerned a lot of my time would just disappear into setting them up. Um, maintaining them with new posts every day, interacting with people, etc, etc. And I'm not sure whether you actually get a good return on that in terms of finding new readers. I've seen authors who do great on social media, and it's a big part of connecting and sharing with the audience. But there are also authors who don't put a lot of focus on social media, and they do fine too. I think it's about finding a balance and doing what works for you. I enjoy Twitter, so I'll keep up with that one for now. Um, I've not had any mishaps slash misadventures slash near misses yet. Uh, like anywhere else in society, you get your nasty people, the trolls, the ignorant, the people who like to put others down. But I've thankfully not had any personal experience with any, anyone horrible online yet, though I do follow people who have. Um, there are some creeps out there, you just have to be careful with how much detail you post and use the, <laughs> use the block button liberally. Um, I've never participated on a panel at a convention I've been to conventions slash conferences where there are panels. I'm not a great public speaker, but I wouldn't say no to going on a panel as horribly nervous as I would get, I'm sure. Um, it's it's another way to potentially interact with your audience and other people who love books. So um, I think it would be an interesting, scary, but fun idea. Uh, question number eight. What's something that every writer needs to be doing in the real world? Why do we lose track of the essential stuff? I guess just going out into the real world from time to time to experience real life is something every writer needs to do in the real world, rather than staying in the worlds we create in our heads, um, as tempting as it is. I'm quite bad for that myself. I enjoy the, the hermit lifestyle and I'm quite happy staying in my house. Not necessarily writing, although a lot of the time I will be writing, but also just being in my pyjamas, <laughs> reading, watching movies. I love being in my house, but I should get out more. It's difficult when you live in Scotland as the weather is generally rubbish, which makes it easy to stay indoors in my pyjamas and never leave unless I'm dragged outside. But as writers, we should try to experience as much real life as possible, since you never know what you might actually use in your next book. Um, any experience is potential story material. I think it's easy to ignore this or lose track of the importance of getting outside and experiencing life as writing is an isolating activity. Uh, some say lonely, but I've never actually felt that. I love my own company. I'm, I can spend hours in my own head with my characters and not feel the urge for proper social interaction. <laughs> it helps that the majority of writers are introverts, that's for sure. And we don't want to socialise, which doesn't help us with the whole getting out into the real world and experiencing real life thing, however. I know some people write in coffee shops and stuff to at least get out in the real world for a bit, but it's something I've never tried I think I get way too distracted by everyone else, like the noise, wondering what the other person with the laptop is writing. I would also be extremely paranoid about people reading over my shoulder, particularly if I'm writing one of those sex scenes I mentioned. But mainly it's because it would probably be frowned upon if I rocked up to Star Starbucks in my pyjamas. Um, <laughs> I've recently been thinking about uh, 
it would be great to buy a little camper van and drive somewhere picturesque for a few hours to just sit and write. A change of scenery could really be inspiring and I'd still technically be getting out into the real world to experience different places. Um, maybe I can still wear my pyjamas. Question number nine. Tell us about other things you write. What attracts to that slash those genres? Are there things you won't write? So my first trilogy was speculative, since it was based in a slightly futuristic Scotland that had descended into a faction war following a rebellion from the government. The book after that was a standalone urban fantasy about people who can shapeshift into dragons and the normal humans who hunt them, since there are bad dragons who like to eat people. The book I'm currently working on is science fiction, it's based on an alien planet. Um, Earth became uninhabitable from global warming, overpopulation, the decimation of nature and lack of resources, so pretty much the future we're heading to. Um, ships were sent out into space to search for habitable planets so the human race didn't become extinct. And my story follows the successful landing of the spaceship HMS Dokas on a planet called Verdana. The main character was born on the planet and has basically spent her whole life at war with indigenous people who refused to welcome them peacefully. But after she has a chance meeting with a Verdanian in a cave, she starts to discover that the enemy are not the monsters they've been led to believe, and she has to find out the truth and stop the war before their base is overrun, and humanity really does become extinct. I love science fiction and fantasy. The supernatural, the weird, the exotic, I love just making things up in my head that don't exist in real life. I, I want to write about things that are outside the parameters of real life, even if it needs me to create a whole new world for them to happen. Writing my current story is a great example of that. I've created this completely new planet with its own ecosystem and wildlife and indigenous people. I've given them a culture, a political structure, an economy. It takes a lot of planning and research, but it's great fun. My next book idea might involve demons, or maybe it'll be on a whole new world again. Who knows? That's the beauty of science fiction and fantasy. There's so many possibilities. I've not written much, if anything, outside the genre of science fiction and fantasy. I've dabbled in horror for short stories, but I don't think I could write anything novel length in that genre. There's writing advice out there that says you should write in as many genres as possible to expand your skills and find out what you like, but I'm already there. I'm not interested in writing a thriller or a crime novel or anything like that. My books kind of have romance in them, among the violence and war and death. There's always a love interest for the main character. I particularly like the trope of falling for someone you shouldn't or hating someone and then falling in love with them, so those feature fairly heavily. Basically, I've found my happy place in science fiction and fantasy and must stay there for the foreseeable. Question number 10. Who has your back? Who is your support? Where do you go? What do you do to recharge? Uh, my boyfriend for sure has my back and he's very supportive of my writing. We work quite well together as I'll go off and do my writing while he plays computer games so it's not like my writing cuts into us spending time together. We're in rooms right next door to each other and take turns making cups of tea. It's nothing like the authors you hear who struggle to write around their family time and who are made to feel a bit guilty if they're not spending time with their kids and, and or partner. I'd rather write or watch movies in my pyjamas than have kids so they're not going to be a problem and because my boyfriend and I have our own interests we're quite happy to give each other space to do them. I don't moan at him that he's always playing computer games and he doesn't moan at me that I'm always writing. Granted, he does have to drag me out of the house occasionally to be sociable so I don't become a full-blown hermit, but I can't blame him for that. He has, however, never read anything I've written because he's not much of a reader, as in he never reads books. I know, I have no idea how we're, to we're together. <laughs> Just kidding, Moo, you're awesome. 
As previously described by my hermit tendencies, I don't really go anywhere to recharge. I like my house, all my stuff is there, and I can sit in my pyjamas. If I find I need to recharge, I'll watch a good movie or read a good book, and that tends to inspire me to write again. Question number 11. Looking at legacy, how do you want to be remembered? Is there a project that you've got to do in the future, a kind of capstone? Wow, now we're getting into the big questions. I don't actually think about legacy or being remembered. If I am remembered, I want to be remembered for writing books that grip readers, but then what author doesn't? I think about thinking about legacy or being remembered is a bit morbid, but as long as my books are still around 100 years after I'm gone, I'll be happy. Or I won't since I'll be dead. There's not a capstone project that I must do in the future or my whole life is worthless. No, nothing like that. I have a few ideas for future projects. Something about demons, a prophecy, a um, a book that may be more erotica than anything else, but nothing that I consider as a capstone. I'm just going to keep writing books as long as I love it and see what happens. Question number 12. Do our stories equal our culture? Does storytelling shape identity? What service to, do, to humanity do stories provide? Um, well, stories definitely equal our culture and our, our cultural identity. I mean, different cultures have their own stories, their own perspectives on stories and storytelling. And storytelling has been around since humans first lived in caves and drew paintings on the walls. Stories and storytelling are what it means to be human, I think. It's such an important part of every culture. I'd love to give examples of like stories told by African tribes in comparison to stories read to Scottish children, but that would take way too much research before I even manage to sound like I know what I'm talking about. Basically, stories are universal. We grow up with stories. They shape who we are. And here seems like a good point to mention that all these stories come from seven basic plots. <laughs> or to put it another way, there are only seven basic plots and all stories are an adaptation of these. Rather than being limiting, I think that's pretty cool. Every single person can tell a different story because no one else will tell it exactly like you do. Uh, what service to humanity do stories provide? Hmm. <laughs> Is entertainment a service? Joy, intrigue, suspense, thrills, romance? Stories provide a wonderful escape into different worlds and new experiences. Stories can entertain and inform and teach and shape who people think. Stories can stick with you long after you've read the last page. Stories have themes and nuance and deeper meaning. There's very little more powerful than stories. I think that's a pretty great service to humanity, if you ask me.